0: minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast hello everyone and welcome inside another edition of a pack a day podcast my name is nick schmitz and i will be your host for the day We are halfway through March. We've gotten into free agency. The Packers have filled what seems to be quite a few holes that they have in their roster. How are you feeling about the current state of the Packers roster right now, now that they are into free agency, made some splashes, made some moves? How do you feel about that? We'll be talking about that in a little bit today. But Starting off the show today, as many of you probably know by now, Randall Cobb no longer with the Packers. That's not much of a surprise. Many people thought that he would walk and go elsewhere. He is now officially a Dallas Cowboy, which I'm sure to many Packer fans that is painful, Uh, but nonetheless, Randall Cobb is now a Dallas Cowboy. He'll be joining Dak Prescott and Jason Garrett over in Dallas with that offense. So, Maggie, Paul, let's start off with that news. Randall Cobb going. To the Cowboys, he played such a big role in the Packers' offense. He was a high second-round draft pick in the year he was drafted, right after the Super Bowl. He was basically the Packers' first-round pick because that was in the time of Ted Thompson where he didn't really believe in keeping high first-round draft picks and traded back into the early second round. He was the first pick of the Packers in the 2011 draft. He is now gone. Your initial thoughts of him going to the Cowboys? Is this where you guys saw him going? And did you guys think that there was any chance that the Packers would have brought him back on a lower salary? I know, uh, you know, the Geronimo Allison signing, which also is official now, um, pretty much spelled the end for Cobb in Green Bay. But did you – what do you guys think of him going to Dallas? And did you think that he – Was Gutekunst even considering bringing Randall Cobb back? Uh, Paul, we'll start with you. Um, I'm a little
1: bummed out that he's going to Dallas, of all places, but like you said, I I didn't expect him to be back this season. Um, He just never really lived up to the contract. He had the fantastic 2014 year, almost 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns, but he just hasn't been available uh, the last few seasons here and he's really lost that big play ability three of the first four years in the league he was at 14 yards or higher per reception the last four years he's barely made it to 10 and with the receiving core that we have you know MBS and Equinemius I expect to take big jumps this year we have Devontae Adams Geronimo of course Jamon Moore um, they're bringing Kumro back and honestly I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know, second, third, fourth round draft pick goes towards another receiver. So we're already at seven right there. We haven't even brought, talked about Cobb. So it doesn't surprise me. And no, I don't think that he was on Budikant's radar that much. But I will say the five million dollar per year that I believe he will be getting in Dallas that is cheaper than what I thought he would get on the open market. Honestly, I thought he'd be more in the eight to ten million range per year.
0: Maggie, your thoughts on Cobb leaving for Dallas?
2: I. I think that Dallas is a really good landing spot for Cobb, especially with them losing Cole Beasley to the Bills. Um Cobb is younger. Um he will probably serve that same slot receiver role. That is a sneaky good wide receiving core with Amari Cooper, um Tavon Austin. You know, there's some talent there. Um Dak Prescott, you know, questionable, whatever. <laughs> I don't need to make comments about uh the quarterback position, but I think that could be a pretty good wide receiver room. I think Cobb has plenty left in the tank. I really do. Um, This could look like a statement year for him. I know it's only a one-year deal in Dallas. Um, But I, I think the Packers also understand that they're trying to get younger at the position. You know, I don't think you draft three guys in 2018 and maybe another receiver in 2019 just to have them sit. So, you know, in 2019, 2020, your wide receiver core looks like Adams, Maybe Allison comes back in 2020, but like Paul was saying, you're expecting Marquez to make a big jump. You're expecting EQ to make a big jump. Um, And one thing I will say is I think that Cobb gets bashed for an injury history that maybe isn't as extreme as fans pointed out to be. Um, He played all 16 games in 2014 and 2015, 13 games in 2016, 15 games in 2017 so the 9 games that he played in 2018 was really the only real chunk of time that he missed since 2013. So yes, he had some lingering injuries that he tried to play through that maybe affected his performance, but I don't think that he was, you know, this unproductive player that maybe he gets pegged as by some fans.
0: You know, and and I would agree and that was kind of that's kind of segueing into my next question which is, you know, he was he was the first pick of the Packers in the 2011 draft, I believe. I know he was taken in the second round. And, you know, so a lot. I feel like a lot of fans felt that he never lived up to his potential of where he was drafted. I remember, too, at the time when he was drafted, they had Greg Jennings. They had Donald Driver. Jordy Nelson was just kind of breaking out. James Jones was you know making big plays in the offense and they also had Jermichael Finley and they added him to the roster and there's that famous magazine cover photo of Rodgers and all those guys and you know now there's only one of them left, and none of them play wide receiver. The only one left is Aaron Rodgers. But I, I always I, I remember when he was drafted. I thought it was kind of strange, given all the talent that they had, and well, how quickly that all evaporates. Which you know is a good reminder that you know even though it may not always seem like the, there's a position of need, you know the the turnover is so constant it seems in the NFL. But you know Maggie, you kind of touched upon his injury. Were his injuries made? be part of the reason why fans felt that he never lived up to his potential and in general injuries aside do you think that he lived up to his potential of what he could have been or do you think he overall as a player injuries aside underachieved at his position for what people thought he would be
2: i think it's hard because the packers historically have had some really good wide receivers come through green bay um i don't know if where he was drafted really affects how I look at how he performed in Green Bay. And yeah, the injuries play a part in some of that with, you know, maybe the soft tissue things that he could try to play through. So they don't necessarily affect um, how many games he played, but how he did perform in those games. Um, but I think as far as the trust that Rogers had in him and his ability, he was one of the best at the scramble drill. He always seemed to be that receiver that could get open when Rogers needed him to. Um, so if you look at it from that kind of perspective, I think that that's the presence that will be missed in Green Bay. Maybe not a production standpoint as much as just the way that he always seemed to be on the same page with Aaron. And that's going to need to be a role that someone else steps into.
0: And, and, and Paul, do you do you think he lived up to his potential as a player?
1: Um, I, I think that, you know, I will always love Randall Cobb in Green Bay. In those first few years, he was really special uh, personally, I don't think that the contract that he received 2015 through now, the four years, $40 million, I don't think that he, produ- he, did, he didn't produce at that same level that we had seen previously. Uh, some of that was to injury, but I think that's what fans will look at a lot because, like I said, the 2014 season, he put up monster numbers um, that year, and we just didn't see that same production of the years moving forward. But like Maggie said, the connection with Rodgers, the scramble drill, all of that, and just a ton of, you know, he's a part of a lot of memorable moments on this team. So he'll always hold a special place for me as the Packers
0: fan. Absolutely. And, you know, Paul, and once again, wow, you guys are doing great at this, kind of segueing me into my next questions here. So in the last two years, Green Bay has seen two iconic receivers leave. Last year, the Packers cut Jordy Nelson now Cobb leaves after not receiving a contract. So just quickly for all of our listeners out there, Maggie, we'll start with you. What is your most memorable Randall Cobb moment as a Packer?
2: Okay, so I have two. I'm cheating. The first moment is his a play, and that I know it's really recent, but his 75-yard touchdown, the longest touchdown of his regular season career, week one against the Bears, I hosted a party. I had a lot of friends over. Some of those friends were Bear fans. It was a miserable first half. And when Randall Cobb caught that touchdown, I jumped off of my couch and screamed. And I kept screaming while he ran uh, for the touchdown. So I will always appreciate Randall Cobb for that moment. That come from behind victory was a beautiful thing. I'll I'll always remember that. Um, And then my second memory of Randall Cobb, was the time that he did a Lambo leap and someone spilled ketchup on him. And then they had to show the sideline, um, one of the guys trying to clean his jersey for the rest of the game. I thought that was just really funny. So I will always remember Cobb with the ketchup.
0: Absolutely. And, and Paul, your most memorable Randall Cobb moment?
2: Uh, what I think
1: back to is the playoff game against the New York Giants a few years back. The reason I picked that game in particular, that was the run to table season. And it was just a fantastic run into the playoffs. They made it all the way to the NFC championship game. But in round one of the playoffs at Lambeau, a couple seconds before halftime, the game's 7-6. It's been a really hard fought game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers throws up his patented Hail Mary. Ball somehow falls over the fingertips of all the Giants defenders with their outreach arms, and there's Randall Cobb tiptoed in the back of the end zone, calls that in. Uh, Packers went into the half with the 14-6 to lead. They ended up blowing out the Giants, and I think that was just a huge spark of momentum for that game. And then we went on to the Dallas game with the Mason Crosby field goal the Jared Cook catch. So just that season as a whole in that moment, that was a really something that I'll remember.
0: Yeah, you know, when I was thinking about this question, there were four plays that came to mind. You guys have named two of them already, the Giants play and the Bears game. And I've got to throw this one in for Jacob Westendorf because I know he. this is probably his absolute favorite Randall Cobb memory because it's against the Bears. The, the two that I thought of instantly was his – Uh, fourth down reception against the Bears in 2013 to win the NFC North. Um, I know Jacob Westendorf really loves that play, so I had to put that in there. But the other one that I was really thinking about that I feel sometimes maybe gets lost in Randall Cobb's career that I really remember was his first game as a Packer when he returned a kickoff. I think it was 108 yards for a touchdown. You know, you knew who he was because he was their, you know, their first pick that they had made that year. But I really didn't know anything about him. And when he had that kickoff return, I was like, well, if nothing else, he can be a hell of a special teams player. So um, those were the ones that came to mind for me. So,
1: and one other thing I want to mention, you brought up the Bears. Randall Cobb in his career, at Green Bay was a bear killer. When we played Chicago, he had his best performances, caught almost eighty percent of his. Pet, uh, passes that were thrown in them that, during in those games. He had 855 career receiving yards, 14 yards of reception, and some memorable moments. The one Maggie brought up, the one you brought up, he, just, he was big time against the Bears, and as a Packer fan, you got to love that.
0: So there you have it, Randall Cobb, now officially a Dallas Cowboy. Sorry to say it, Packer fans, but be sure to let us know on Twitter what your favorite Randall Cobb moment was as a Green Bay Packer. All right, moving on. We're talking receivers here. You know, mentioned two really iconic receivers now gone from Green Bay. One is now in Dallas. Uh, Jordy Nelson is the other one. Was cut last year, went to the Raiders. He's now a free agent. You know, he's visiting with Seattle. Unsure whether or not he'll have a contract there. I know many Packer fans have said, hey, you know, bring him back. He's out there. You know, everybody knows that – I mean, I feel like of all the receivers Aaron Rodgers has ever played with, I feel like Jordy Nelson has been and always will be his favorite. We know the relationship that they have there. Do you guys think that they should consider bringing him back? Is is this a viable option? Does it help the Packers? Would it be a good idea? I know Packers Twitter is very split over this. I know it's very controversial. Um, and I, I've got my own thoughts on it, but I, it's, it's just something, you know, two big-name receivers are gone now from Green Bay. Paul, should, should the Packers even consider bringing Jordy back? It would be a nice
1: feel-good story, but no, I think Jordy's had his time here in Green Bay. I'd love to see him come back on a nice one-day contract in the future, just like uh, John Kuhn did to retire a Packer, but he's – not, you know, we have all these fond memories of him and fantastic moments that he had with Aaron Rodgers, but realistically, he's just not that same receiver anymore. Uh, he's not as quick as he once was. His yards per catch has dropped off uh, drastically. And I know part of that was playing with Brett Humley and then Derek Carr versus Aaron Rodgers, but the big plays aren't there like they used to be. And as I mentioned in regards to Cobb, the receivers that we have, the potential to bring in another one with a high draft pick. It just—I don't see how he fits in, and um, we. This roster needs an infusion of playmakers. It needs a lot of young talent, and adding Jordy just isn't going to do that. Unfortunately.
2: This sounds silly, but maybe if Mike McCarthy was still the head coach, bringing Jordy back would make a little bit more sense to me. Um, But you have a young, offensive-minded. Um, playmaking head coach, someone who wants to utilize his offensive weapons in a variety of different ways. Um, so I think you're looking for really big jumps from uh, MVS from EQ. I think Jamon Moore will have a bigger second year than maybe we're anticipating or maybe people were giving him credit for. Um, if you have a 2019 draft pick like a Paris Campbell, you'll have a lot of talent on the roster, a lot of young talent that you'll want to develop with Rodgers um, for the long term. And while the Nelson signing makes a little bit of sense from maybe a third down slot receiving red zone production, he didn't have bad numbers with, with Oakland. He had 739 yards and three touchdowns, which would have already put him in second place on the Packers roster in 2018 uh, trailing only Devonte Adams. He would have beat out Jimmy Graham with those numbers. Um, so while the case could be made to bring him back, Um, I I just think it's time for Aaron Rodgers to really develop some of that chemistry with the second year guys. You know, they weren't necessarily on the same page for a lot of their rookie years. Um, And part of that could have been that Geronimo and Cobb both got hurt. Uh, But I think that this offseason, the emphasis has to be on the development of those young guys who could become the future at the position. I don't think you want to start looking backwards with a new offense.
0: I, I totally agree. And that is always that was kind of my thought process. You know, I love Jordy Nelson. I know Packer fans really love him. I remember when Donald Driver retired, I thought that there is no way that there would ever be a Packer receiver and loved more than Donald Driver. And it literally took like two years for someone to surpass him. Um, and I I love Jordy, but I, I agree with a lot of what you guys have been saying. You know, he's not; he doesn't have the explosiveness that he used to have. And ultimately, I think, you know, working backwards almost never works out in in the long run, in a in in productivity standpoint. And the other thing is, is the NFL has evolved so much now that, you know, by your second year as a player, like you need to be contributing in a not in a major facet necessarily, but like it's becoming such a young players league that you know bringing Jordy back really all it does is stunt the growth of MVS EQ and more and even even Jake Kumero, which I know a lot of Packers fans are you know very split on, but the reality is these are all guys that if they turn out to be good they could be with the team for, you know, the next four, five, six, seven years. Whereas Jordy Nelson, realistically, he's only going to be a stopgap player. He's not somebody that's going to be there down the line. And I really think you need to get these younger guys involved and, you know, develop that trust with Aaron Rodgers. Because something that we have talked about on this, on this show is that, You could have all the talent in the world as a wide receiver, but if Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust you, he's not throwing you the ball. So it's really important for these young guys, I think, to get these reps with Aaron Rodgers so that he can trust them. And ultimately, they do at this point have – more playmaking ability than Jordy Nelson the only thing I think Jordy Nelson brings over these guys is knowing Aaron Rodgers and having that relationship with him but even still he's got to learn he would have to learn the playbook that Matt LaFleur brings in I I just don't think it's I don't think it's a great fit and I know Packer fans a lot of don't a lot of them don't want to hear it and I love Jordy, and I can't wait for the day that he comes back on a day contract and retires as a Packer. But I agree with you both. I think moving forward, it's just it's not the best idea. So, all right, well, with that, let's shift gears. The Packers, in free agency, made a lot of moves. We've talked about it a lot. But there's still a lot – well, I wouldn't say a lot necessarily, but there are still some holes to fill. They seem to have gotten their pass rushers that they're feeling really good about. They got a safety guard play. Um, How do you guys feel about the current state of the roster right now? Are there – more free agents out there that they should go after. I know the one position I'm still kind of concerned about a little bit is the safety position. Um, Adrian Amos, I know, is great. He's going to be uh, you know, coming in as a starter. But beyond that, I mean, you've kind of got a question mark at your second safety position. Uh, how do you guys feel about the roster where it's at right now? And, and what is the biggest point of concern at this point, in your opinion? Maggie, let's start with you on this one.
2: I honestly think that if you were to take the four players that you've acquired, even if you'd get rid of Cobb, you'd take all of the changes at face value right now and you put the 2019 roster at the start of the 2018 season. I think that that team would already be more successful. I think that with the improved pass rush, you're more likely to close out some of those big games. Um, You know, like week two that ended in a tie against the Vikings I think with the Packers, um, adding Preston and Z'Darrius Smith, you know, that edge pressure, you know, maybe you're closing out some games. I think that the roster has already improved talent-wise. And I know that every roster spot really can look questionable after injuries. Um, But to me, going into the 2019 season just at face value with the additions that the Packers made in free agency – I feel more comfortable about the state of the team um, than I think I did going into 2018. I know we had big expectations in 2018 um, with the additions of like Mo Wilkerson and Jimmy Graham. Um, Both of those guys are brought in to be key contributors, key contributors at their positions. But I think that the acquisitions that they made in 2019 already surpassed what they did in 2018. And I think that this roster is in better shape than maybe we could have even anticipated heading into the draft.
0: And Paul, uh, how how do you feel about the roster right now? Um, I
1: agree; it's a lot better, and I loved all four signings. I think it gives them a lot more flexibility in the draft. Um, They were basically sharpied into an edge rusher at twelve, but now and they, you know, the the Brian's burn, Brian Burns is still available. You know, it should definitely be on the board, but they don't have to feel like they have to take that edge rusher. The big thing that I still want to see addressed is the offensive line. Last year, they gave up 3.3 sacks per game, which ranked as the second most in the NFL. A lot of that pressure is coming up the middle. Right guard is just a huge hole. Lane Taylor had a bad year. is effective when he's on the field, but he's had the injury issues. He's in the last year of his deal. They need to find his replacement. And while I like the Billy Turner signing, his versatility. He can play just about anywhere on the line except for center. Um, he's only made 25 starts in the four years. And I really think that the key is to protect Darren Rodgers. And given the free agents that are left, I don't know if there's going to be that huge long term impact player out there. So I'm looking at potentially at 12 or by sure by 30 in the draft, I want to see an offensive lineman taken in the first round.
0: Yeah, and, you know, a couple of things I want to ask about. I I want to get your guys' opinion on what you think the weakest position of the team is right now. But, uh, Maggie, you know, you brought up, you know, that Muhammad Wilkerson was brought in last year. He's still unsigned. I know there's – these are the list of unrestricted free agents who have not yet signed – um clay matthews is still out there it seems at this point that he's probably going to be going elsewhere and you know funny that i should say that guys uh just seeing now that clay matthews has signed with the los angeles rams so clay matthews officially off the table now Uh, let me let me take a quick look here to see if i can get any information on it um looks like a couple reports out there saying that uh, Ian Rappaport has reported it, so I see Ian Rappaport and both Adam Schefter reporting that Clay Matthews has signed now with the Los Angeles Rams, and it looks like it's a two-year deal with uh, worth the max of almost $17 million, so it doesn't look like that's the actual amount, looks like that's maybe with incentives, um, but so... We can take Clay Matthews off that list now. We don't need to talk about him as he is now in Los Angeles Rams. So losing Cobb today and now Clay Matthews. Um, But, you know, there there are still other uh, guys out there. Uh, Muhammad Wilkerson is still out there. Lance Kendricks, Byron Bell, Devon House, Ibrahim Campbell, Eddie Pleasant I mean you know I think the two that a lot of people are really looking at and I know Maggie you're big on on at least one of them I know a lot of people are wondering about Muhammad Wilkerson uh, you know defensive lineman you know if he can add anything and if he's maybe kind of out of the picture now with the edge rushers that they've brought in Uh, um, and safety Ibrahim Campbell Uh, are either of those guys going to be on the roster come this season for the Packers I mean Maggie do you think that they will retain either of them
2: I'll, I'll get to Mo Wilkerson because I think that's really interesting. Um, but to me, Ibrahim Campbell is someone that should be back. I don't think his contract will be very expensive. Um, he had previous experience working with Mike Patton in Cleveland. Um, he's got a little bit of an injury, injury history where he hasn't necessarily been able to play to his full potential because he's gotten hurt, um, but he'll be a really cheap contract to someone that can come back and be some added insurance in the safety room while you develop Raven Green Josh Jones, who maybe lines up better at inside linebacker, um, you're very likely to draft a safety no matter how high that is, whether that's pick 30 or, like, the third or fourth round. Um, So having someone like Campbell come in to pair with Adrian Amos, um, I don't think that you can go wrong doing something like that, and I don't think it'll cost the Packers much money. Um, With Mo Wilkerson, I actually had written down that maybe I'm in the minority here, um, but I'm not so sure that the defensive line is as – secure moving forward as a lot of people might think. And I mean, I think there's a lot of talent on the position. I love Heather Lancaster, Dean Lowry, Montrevious Adams. They all have really good upside. Um, But Kenny Clark is going to take a lot of money next season when he's a free agent. Mike Daniels might be playing his last season in Green Bay. So it honestly wouldn't shock me if the Packers take a defensive lineman in the first round as someone they can groom for the future to pair alongside Kenny Clark. I'm not sure Daniels comes back. I could see Mo Wilkerson coming back on like another one-year, um, almost that minimum minimum kind of contract. Um, but I think they have to start looking towards the future at that position as well as someone that they can pair with Kenny Clark moving forward.
0: And and, and Paul, it, it, do you have any thoughts on these guys? You know, should Green Bay be looking at them to bring them back, or or do they just kind of need to move on from these guys and address them from maybe the draft or elsewhere in free agency?
1: Yeah. Of the uh, unrestricted free agents that have to have left, Ebran Campbell and Mo Wilkerson are the two that I think should and could potentially be back, especially Campbell for all the reasons Maggie mentioned. And especially that is just a really good tackler. I mean, in three games last year, he had 18. Uh, we've seen a lot of poor tackling, tackling in this Packers secondary. So I think that that would be a great piece to have inexpensive and great for depth. Mo Wilkerson, I agree as well. Um, outside of Kenny and Daniels, who we don't know if Daniel's going to be here next year. Lancaster and Adams, still inconsistent in their production. But, and uh, the Wilkerson signing will probably happen tomorrow after what I'm about to say here. But part of me thinks they're going to wait until after the draft. Uh, If we look at a lot of the mock drafts out there, Ed Oliver from Houston, who is just a freak athlete for a defensive tackle position, is there at 12. And now that the Packers aren't locked into me having to take an edge rusher, if they bring him in, you have Daniels, Clark, Adams, and Lancaster all at the tackle position, then I don't know that Wilkerson will be back. However, if they don't get him early on, Wilkerson would be a great veteran option. You know, he's brought in for $5 million last year. Honestly, they might be able to get him for half of that just given the injury. And, you know, he played under Mike Pettin with the Jets is really versatile, can play anywhere on the line, which I know Mike Patton will like. So there is that fit there, but I I think they're going to wait to see how the draft plays out and who they end up with there.
0: All right, and lastly, before we close out here, so Packers have you know addressed some positions in free agency. Obviously, the draft is going to be interesting to see where they go with certain positions. At this moment in time, what is what position is of biggest concern to you guys on the roster right now, Maggie? Uh, what do you, what do you think is the biggest liability or concern with this Packers team?
2: I think that. Obviously, you need to improve who you're pairing with Adrian Amos um, on in the safety group. I don't think you can go into the season with what you have and feel fully comfortable just from a depth perspective alone. Um, but then flipping that to the offensive side of the ball, I think you have to improve your tight end group. Um, Jimmy Graham potentially could make a big jump in his second year with Rodgers learning a new offense that's more tight end friendly. Uh, you have Mercedes Lewis brought back but these are two aging guys that are playing out potentially their last contracts um, before retirement or before they take a small contract elsewhere. I know that a lot of people love uh, big Bob Tanyan. I know that Andy Herman loves big Bob Tanyan. I think that he's a great prospect, but I don't think that you can go into the season with those, with those three guys and feel fully comfortable. You have two great leaders in Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis that you can have a draft prospect learn from um, both from a blocking element, um, from a middle-of-the-field red zone element. Um, so I think you have to take your tight end of the future and groom him for a year behind two of the best guys in the business right now. Um, and then maybe in 2020, if you cut Graham, Mercedes walks, you have your tight end one of the future paired with someone like Tanyan or maybe another vet free agent.
0: All right. and, and Paul, what, what do you think the biggest position of concern is on this Packers team?
1: For me, it goes back to the offensive line. Um, like I mentioned earlier, the amount of sacks given up, and they have two great pillars there, and Lindsley at center, Bakhtiari at left tackle, Lane Taylor's coming off a uh, down year. We don't know if he's going to rebound. Like I said, Billy Turner most likely at right guard right now, still unproven, and then Bulaga's is in his last year uh, of his contract and has been injury-prone, but when he's been on the field, has been effective. I want to see a first-rounder spent on the offensive line, whether that's you know Jonah Williams, Cody Ford, or Jawan Taylor's there at 12, or if we look at 30, Chris Lindstrom, Dalton Reisner. Either of those two I think would be great options. And then one other thing I want to add, we've talked about the safety position in Adrian Amos. I think Trey Boston would be a perfect compliment for him. Um, he spent most of his time as a cover safety with aimless versatility, um, those two I think would gel really well. And he played last year for the Cardinals on one point five million dollars. And he's been productive as heck. He had three interceptions last year, nine pass deflections. Year before, he had five interceptions, eight pass deflections. I just think he'd be an awesome value pick, pick up for the Packers.
0: Absolutely, and, and I agree. I think I, my personally, I think safety is. The biggest area of concern. I think their secondary, for the most part, as a whole, seems pretty good if 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 everybody can stay healthy. But I agree that other safety position just seems to be really in question about who you're going to put there. Um, But I mean, lots of lots of options out there for the Packers. It'll just be interesting to see where they go with that. All right, well, guys, we are out of time for the day. But before we go, couple of quick things. Um, it is March, which means March Madness, and uh, the NCAA Basketball Tournament will be starting tomorrow, officially with the first round. Guys, do you have a national champion yet in your brackets? Do, do you guys even do brackets? I know we've got one going with the Pack-A-Day podcast, but do you guys have your national champion picked out yet? Bucky Badger.
1: All my pick, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul's going
0: to
2: make me look bad because he took the Badgers. I took Gonzaga. Um, my brackets typically bust in the first round anyway, but I had to jump in on the Pack a Day podcast and uh, bracket and see what I could do.
0: See, I've, I've got the very generic pick. I, I, I do believe Duke is probably the best team. I have them beating North Carolina. And I, I mean, I love the Badgers. And I even root for Marquette since they're, since they're from Wisconsin. But I have them both losing in the first round. I don't believe either Wisconsin school in the tournament will make it out of the first round. I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for them to win. But I, I don't like what I've seen from them. But So speaking of Pack-A-Day podcast and the NCAA tournament, we do have a Pack-A-Day podcast ESPN bracket going on right now set up by our godfather Andy Herman. Go to, if you want the easy way to find it, go to Twitter, go to Packaday Podcast on Twitter. Andy has made it very easy for you. He pinned it to the very top of our Twitter page. Click on the ESPN Tournament Challenge Bracket. Fill out a bracket. You can, can, you'll can you be competing with other listeners as well as all of our us contributors here at Packaday Podcast. And the best part is, if you win... Andy Herman is giving away a $50 gift card to the Packer Pro Shop. So there is reason to play. You can win a great prize, get something nice from the Pro Shop, thanks to our godfather, Andy Herman. So make sure to go check that out. If you don't do Twitter, just go to ESPN Tournament Challenge Bracket and search Pack-A-Day Podcast. You'll be able to find it that way. Make your entry, pick your champion, and if you do well enough, win some free money to the Packer Pro Shop, which I'm sure everybody will be wanting. So make sure to go do that. Make sure to get that bracket filled out, though, today, because Thursday morning at, I think it's like 11.15 Central Time, is tip-off of the first game, brackets closed. Make sure you get that done today so that you can be a part of it. As always, thanks for listening, guys. And quickly before we go, Maggie, if people want to follow your work, how do they do that?
2: They can find me on Twitter at Maggie Lawler L A W L E R. But I am getting married on Saturday, so my Twitter handle will be changing um, to my new last name, which is Loney L O N E Y. I will post an announcement or something about it on Twitter. I hope I don't lose all of my followers now because I have a new name. Um, That would be terrible. Um, You can also follow my writing at the Lombardi Lounge at Lombardi underscore Lounge. And really quickly. Um, We got all of our suits from a place called Mike Bjorns in downtown Kenosha, Wisconsin. The salesman at the shop is an avid Pack-a-Day podcast listener. So I would like to give him a shout out. Thank you for getting my men suited and booted for the wedding. Thank you for listening to the Pack-a-Day podcast. You are wonderful.
0: Absolutely, and I'm sure you're very excited, and your fiancé slash future husband in a, in a week here, I'm sure he's very excited as a Browns fan for what they've been doing so far this offseason, right?
2: Oh, yeah. He's super psyched.
0: All right. And, Paul, how can people follow your work? Um, you
1: can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore brettl B-R-E-T-L, and follow us at Dairyland
0: Express, where we cover Packers, Brewers, Bucks, and Badgers. All right, awesome. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at SportsSchmitty. Make sure, everyone, that you send your best wishes towards Maggie and her fiancé slash future husband for this weekend. It's very exciting for them. We're very excited to hear all about how it goes for you, Maggie, the next time you're on with us on the podcast, which will be – uh in a couple of weeks so not not too far out but we're looking forward to it thanks so much for listening everyone and again make sure you go fill out that tournament challenge bracket on espn for your chance to win 50 dollars for the packer pro shop thank you so much for listening guys and make sure you stay tuned for the special randall cobb outro right after this and as always go pack go please welcome hall of fame fullback jim taylor with the 64 pick in the 211 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Randall Cobb,
1: wide receiver, Kentucky. Well, this is it, Rock, the season right here on this fourth down play. How many times have we said that on this drive? Rodgers in the shotgun. Three receivers left, one to the right. Rodgers gets the snap.
0: Blitz is on. Rodgers scrambles left, winds up, rainbow. Bob. He's got power
1: to the 10, to
0: the play. Yes! to the end zone. Touchdown, and a dagger. Oh, my goodness. An NFC North Division championship dagger, a 47 yards.
1: from the 42 of New York, fourth down and two. Snap to A-Rod, looking downfield, scrambles right. Now, winds up,
0: rainbows, into the end zone, and it is caught! Yes. Next line to the end zone, Randall Cobb! Touchdown, Green Bay! It's just another kill. The countdown begins to
1: destroy Snap to A-Rod, rushes on.